Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Herd Mentality. Joining me today is my old friend, Pastor Dr. James David Manning. Let's get it on! Indeed, I can't wait. Now, before we start, I hear you're a little under the weather. I may get diarrhea. Throughout this interview. I'm a major threat to the stability of New York City. Ooh, that one sounded rough. I want to shake the hand of a real man! I prefer you wash it after that last effort. Are you taking anything for that? Opiates such as Vicodin, Percodin, uh, heroin, uh, morphine to something to get codeine. Methadone. Fair enough. You seem to be able to pass those... Without flinching. A, a genuinely impressive effort. I mean, you really put your back into that one. Uh, who taught you that technique? The butthole liquors. No, I mean specifically. The faggots, the lesbos, the dildo swingers. The same people who want to turn your hate church into a haven for LGBT youth? Uh, wouldn't you be thanking them for helping learn such a beneficial skill? I'm sure by now you've heard of the bogus uh, land grab foreclosure that's happening against our church and ministry here in Harlem, New York. Bogus? But let me tell you who's behind and what's behind this this uh, bogus foreclosure. D- look, do you need some toilet paper? I think that actually had follow-through. Uh, is that... Is that placenta? Barack Hussein Obama. Right, so Obama is coming for you chasing... A 16-year-old water bill! Well, seems like a job that he could have delegated to someone else. And they're trying to shut down and close the building, and they have stirred up the faggots! Oh dear, look, here's a bucket and some poo tickets. This thing is 16... This bill is 16 years old! So you're saying... You've had 16 years to pay the bill. And by the way, all your enemies out there that are gloating and loathing all of this, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. No, no, no. Keep keep the whole roll. I don't need it back. And before you can take this and make it a bad bathhouse or a fag house or anything else, you'll be pulling babies out your asshole. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that, that explains a lot. I'm James David Manning, everybody. I am the Lord, sir. It's a beautiful little boy. It's a miracle. Thanks for coming on the show. Let me tell you something. The faggots, the fact they're going to get this church, I told them the other day, it is more possible for you to get pregnant in your testicles and carry a baby in your testicles the way a woman carries a baby in her womb. And when the nine months is over with, you pull that baby out of your asshole before you can take this church. That's just how impossible it is. It ain't going to happen. Welcome to the Herd Mentality Podcast, an eclectic non-weekly mix of atheistic, humanistic and scientific conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, entertain you with some scintillating repartee. This is a listener-supported show and you can help boost quality and quantity at HerdMentalityPodcast.com and then click on support. Your contribution makes all the difference for the show and 10% of it goes to women in developing countries. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, found on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. And it's time to meet our guests. Testing, testing. Hello? Can you hear me? Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm extra good. <laughs> it's been so long since we've spoken. It has been. It's been very, very, very long and a lot has happened. <laughs> I probably should introduce you for those playing along at home. We've got one godless woman on the line, giggling Hi. away. <laughs> Sorry. How are you? Good. Hi, Adam. How are you? 
I'm waking up. Excellent. And you've been awake for quite some time. I have been. I'm I'm into my first glass of wine for oh, the day. Brilliant. For the evening. <laughs> I'm about to get into mine. Now, last time we spoke, I am of the understanding that you went somewhere exotic. I did. Very exotic indeed. And it was that exotic and that good that you've subsequently <laughs> gone back again. Is that true? We did. We did. We went to Legoland, Florida uh, in December of uh, last year. Wow. That would have been an awesome Christmas present for the boys. They did. It was great. They loved it. That was the other Legoland. It is, yes. So you're doing like a world tour. <laughs> All the Legolands. Hopefully we'll hit the one in Europe. I think there's a few in Europe. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, we don't. We can't afford one down here in Australia. But the good news, <laughs> I think... To come from all of this is that you got back on your feet. Things have really been looking up. Yes, indeed. And I have, again, there is not enough thank yous in the world and gratitude to to show you how much you guys have helped. Oh, you well. and everyone. Honestly, you guys, it was a turning point in my life and it put me in the right direction. Like it, it, it just, yeah, you, you helped a lot. Well, that's very kind. And now all the thank yous are out of the way. How did it help? What happened? Uh, well, to start, uh, finances were corrected. Uh, we got a break. We needed, we all, I was under so much stress from everything that was happening, uh, mentally, emotionally, marriage, you name it. Everything was just crumbling. So the fundraisers that you did, the, the break that we got with going to Legoland, it just put us in, it, it sort of just reoriented everything, put us in the right direction. We were able to focus more. We got our break. I branched out on my own. I work for myself now. I have my own business. It's actually going really well. So yeah, business is booming. I am a teacher as well. I've developed a course. I teach it to massage therapy people. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, for a short period of time there, I, well, there was an attempt to reconcile with my family and I gave it a good hundred percent. And again, if it wasn't for that break that I got and, and things going really well, I probably wouldn't have been able to give it a hundred percent. Now, having said that and having given it a hundred percent, we, the attempt failed, uh, but I can guarantee you it didn't fail on my part. The other thing is I'm, uh, I've been helping secretly. I, I don't usually like to announce how I help or who I help. Uh, but you guys helped me and a lot of the people who helped me kept, uh, the people who donated money, the messages and say, and say, please, you know, all we ask is that you pay it forward. Mm. And that really stunned me. It really did a lot. And I, and, and then, and you guys know who you are and, and thank you because I have been paying it forward a thousand times over. That's a big mission. It is a big mission. I can't fix the world, but I'm trying and I can't help everyone, but I really, I, I'm happy with what I am doing. But the gist of it is, is that now that you've sort of been turned off and on again at the wall, like a Canadian modem, um, you've, you've <laughs> gone out and started doing some, other stuff for other people. So what is some of that stuff? I'm curious. Um, again, I'm not a big fan of, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know how to say how the stuff I'm doing other than I, there was a girl that, uh, she contacted Atheist Republic. She's, she's actually Syrian, but she lived in Saudi Arabia all her life. She was ex-Muslim and she escaped Saudi and, uh, Atheist Republic helped her with a fundraiser, I think of about $5,000 to uh, escape to Turkey. But once that money, that $5,000 ran out, she got in touch with me and I and another gentleman uh, were able to help her. Uh, we sent her money and uh, she, with that money, she was able to escape from Turkey and she's now seeking asylum. She's in Germany. She's safe. 
mm-hmm. and she has sought asylum in Germany. There were other people involved as well, and there was a recent uh, short uh, film documentary about her. But I just am going to mention names or anything, but uh, that I'm very happy that she is safe. Mm. Uh, the other thing, um, a gay Saudi friend mm-hmm. reached out to me. He was, his life was in danger in Saudi. His, his family was really picking up on the fact that he was gay and he's also atheist. Oh, damn. Uh, so, uh, we developed a plan. The plan was set in motion about a year ago and he is now here. He's with me. He lives with us here in my home and he has uh, sought a refugee uh, here in the state that I'm in mm-hmm. and his case uh, in exactly what he's hearing and everything so far is going lovely. Now this goes a little bit contrary to what I've been told because there, there are no gays in the Middle East we're told. No, apparently not. <laughs> mm. Apart from the ones hanging from the tops of cranes hmm. yeah, being pushed being off buildings. Building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've really gone on and like you said, a thousandfold, I don't think that's an exaggeration. You're really helping people escape to better lives. Who is this gentleman? Well, he's. we have an alias for him right now. His name is Yazan. Uh, Y-A-Z-A-N mm-hmm. is, is what he goes by until he's his asylum. Well, until he seeks refugee and he's granted refugee, he's going to change his name. Mm-hmm. But his he, he's dear to me. And, um, you know, I, I don't even think that I, you know, sometimes I feel guilty because I wish I, I really wish I could help him and everyone. But there's only so much I could do. Well, the only person who can can help that many people is Angela Merkel. (laughs) Okay. And you're not, you're not in charge of a country. You're in charge of a household. No, I understand that, but you have to understand that this, he came here in a, in a time period. Canada opened its doors to 25,000 refugees from all over the Middle East. The focus was on Syrian, but they're not all Syrian. And because of the kerfuffle that happened and being scared, everyone's living in fear. Everyone's saying, close our doors to refugees. We don't want them because they're all terrorists. Uh, you're going to bring, terrorists will come in. ISIS is going to leak it, masking themselves as refugees. So Canada put a, a sort of a, they filtered the single men or not allowed entry. The refugees that are entering Canada right now are mainly families or children or women that lead households. A single male is not allowed entry into Canada. This guy came into my home as a single male. You have to extend help. You can't shun a a group of people because they fit a criteria that you're afraid of. No, that's the... That's the Trump approach, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. Or get them to register or... But you have to cut people some slack. You know, he's he would have been killed. And, and why? Because he fits the criteria of being young, male, and Middle Eastern. What are the punishments involved? Well, just before he came here, from the same city that he's from in Saudi, three male uh, gay guys were caught and they were imprisoned, of course, for an endless amount of time. The punishment of being gay in all Muslim-majority countries is death. It's not classy. This endless imprisonment thing seems to be a running theme, uh, because I don't think anyone's seen or heard from, say, Raif Badawi. Now, he's a different, completely different crime, but uh, yes, much the same ordeal. How is the the death penalty enforced over there? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, again, uh, I think was it a month ago or just over a month ago, uh, 52 prisoners in Saudi were executed. Uh, they were executed behind the scenes, not in public, not that anyone really needs to watch an execution, but that included beheadings. And uh, because they're short on uh, executioners, like people who behead. Mm, it's uh, a growth, some, growth uh, industry. A, fi- a, fire, 
Yeah, I know. It's a high-paying job, I know. <laughs> they use the firing squad, and the trials are very shady, if they even happen. Honestly, half the time you don't even get a trial. Mm. So, is Yasin about? I'd like to meet him. Yes, hang on one second. Now, he's not superb on his English. No, that's okay. He'll <laughs> so fit right in. All right, so I'm going to give him to you, and if there's any issues with, uh, with translation, mm -hmm. just get me online, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Hi, Adam. Hey, Yazan, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very well. Oh, now, Iman told me that your English wasn't fantastic, and I'm already convinced that your English is fantastic. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I need to explain in Arabic. I just wanted to translate, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, well, welcome to the show. I don't know what Iman has told you. Do you know anything um, about this? Yes. Like, I have, like, she explained to me, but not very much. Okie dokes. So, I basically... Oh, there's Iman's sons in the background. <laughs> we... <laughs> We speak yeah. <laughs> to we speak to people about religion and human rights and science and all sorts of interesting things. Now, we did a fundraiser to help Iman a long time ago, and she's now in a position where she can use this advantage to help other people, and that's what she's doing for you. Yes. So, how has it impacted your life? I mean, she's helping me, and I I talked I talked to her about this before, and she was like, "I will help you." That was like two years ago, mm -hmm. and she was like, "Anytime I'm here, I I will open my house to you." How did you meet Iman? I met with her on on Twitter. My sister sent me her um her Twitter account. Mm -hmm. I was like, "This person lives in Canada." <laughs> And I found out she's in Halifax. I was in Halifax at that, at that time as a student. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I asked her to meet with her somewhere. So then we met in, I think, June 2013. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been living with Iman now? Since December 1st, 2015. Oh. So a bit over two months. Yeah, more than two months. Are you still studying? No, I, I came here as a visitor. Mm -hmm. I sought asylum, is that how to say it? Yes. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you didn't return back to Saudi? Yes, I did. I did for the first time. I was going to transfer my uh, scholarship from Canada to the U.S. And they were like, okay, go to Saudi Arabia to get your U.S. student visa. And I went back there and I got my visa. After that, they were like, okay, just uh, you have to register in a, a private university, local university in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I want to go to the U.S. And they they said, no, you're not going there. What was the reason? It was like most students who tried to uh, transfer to the U.S., they were like, no, you're not going at that time. And they, like, they've been doing it since January 2013. So the policies have changed? Yes. But you were able to apply for Canada? As a visitor, yes. I, I took um a bank loan that was about, like, $35,000. And I I just took the money and didn't pay them back. I just left. Oh, in Saudi that, Arabia. That's how I got my visa. Right. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> like 10,000 barrels of oil, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a bit about your family in Saudi. Okay. I uh, My father, he's married to two wives, my mother and the other one. And I have uh, four sisters, four, uh, three brothers and two half-sisters. I'm very close to my four sisters and my youngest brother. I don't like my father, my older brother. 
I mean, they're very conservative about being um, Wahhabis, you know? What is that? It's one of the uh, Muslim denominations. What they like is they they love... I don't know even how to say that. Just once, That's why I wanted to speak Arabic. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, so it, it's a bit like being, say, Christian, there's Catholic, there's Baptist, there's Anglican. It's not Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, like, but you get more wives, and th- that sounds that sounds amazing, isn't it? Oh yeah, you have up to four. <laughs> uh, up to four wives. So uh, yeah. you're not interested in a whole bunch of wives. Me? Yeah. Well, I'm gay first. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm an atheist too, so I'm against um, having multiple wives. Uh-huh. I told my father about this and he was like, no, this is Islam and we have to accept this and we have to do it. (laughs) Easy as that. What would have happened, do you think, if you stayed in Saudi Arabia? When I turned age 30, my father would say, okay, it's time for you to get married. You know, I cannot bring a woman into my messy life. I was thinking about this and I was like, no, I'll stay there. I will stay there and fight because I wanted to, I wanted to be with my sisters. I love them so much. We know that Saudi, Saudi Arabia kills gay people. They implement, they implement the Sharia law. Not only the government, even the society. For example, if I tell my father that I'm gay, he would kill me right away and the, the police won't say anything. Hmm. So you're, your father didn't know. Did your sisters know? I think they know, but I didn't like admit it. Mm. Yeah, it's obviously when your life is I on think the they line, know. it's it's not something you <laughs> risk telling everybody about. How is your life in Canada so far? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Like people here are accepting. It's you know, it's a very different society, very different government. You can live as a gay openly. Like you can, you you have, can tell anyone. Can you have up to four husbands? No. <laughs> no. In oh. Canada? <laughs> yeah, I was kidding. <laughs> you, can, you can't do that. This is a crime. How is life with Iman's family? I like them. I like her husband. Her husband is very nice. Um, her boys are, are nice too, I would say. Where are you wanting to go in the future? What are your plans? Uh, what I'm thinking about now is I'm just waiting for my work permit so I can get a job what f- before. What industry is that job? Any job for now. And then I will enroll in or two, I'm not sure, to the makeup school because I want to be- become a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in makeup and all that stuff. This is my future plans. I don't imagine there's a huge industry for makeup artists in the Middle East. because How would you put it on under the burqa? Where in... <laughs> <laughs> in Saudi Arabia, yes, but if you go to Lebanon, I mean the other Arab, Arab countries, um, then it's okay, I think. But not in Saudi Arabia. Like when I graduated from high school, my mother came to me and said, "What would you, what would you like to become?" I was like makeup artist. She was like, <laughs> she said, "Shame, you shouldn't even say." It. And then I I just got this idea out of my head, like. I shouldn't think about becoming a makeup artist, you know? Yeah. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm kidding. I want four wives. <laughs> I'm curious. In the Middle East, the burqa is almost compulsory, isn't it? Or it is compulsory. Um, I'm sorry, but what does that mean? It means everybody must wear one. Yeah, not in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia. Oh, Saudi Arabia. And some part of the other countries, like around Saudi Arabia, like Kuwait, uh, UAE. Qatar. I can't 
begin to imagine how hot that must be. It is really hot, like 40 degrees Celsius. And then the women are outside with the black, with the black burqa. And I mean, everything is black, right? There is a very funny story. Like the police, I mean, I I don't know who decided to do that, but the police in like in, in 2014, they had to wear a black uniform and they were like, it's too hot. We can't. The women had been complaining about for years and years, and they didn't listen. <laughs> no, no, because it's women. Would you think that's some sort of torture, enforcing that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, none of them is to wear a job or burger, and but they are forced to do that because my father would kill them if, if he knew that they don't wear these covers when they go with me outside. You, and your father would kill his wives? No, his uh, daughters. <laughs> he sounds like a fantastic kind of guy. He's terrible. He's very terrible. Like, he, he used to beat my mother. Like, the, the, the last time he attacked her physically was in 2013. And he was like, please leave the house. No, please. He was like, leave the house now. She packed her left after he attacked her. Like, she was really hurt. That's horrible. Yeah, this is the last attack. <laughs> so she has left him? No, because he called a sheikh, or I don't know what you call it, like clerk, or is that how to pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he said, I was really angry at that time, can I get her back? He said, yes, you can get her back. Then he called her and said, come back now. That's horrible. You sound very liberal, sort of a, a live and let live approach. If you were raised in this environment over there, how did you develop your morals and your character to be so different? Well, being gay helped a lot, and I always like see the West as a good example. I always wanted to live in a in a Western country. And I, I I knew they were wrong. I knew they were wrong, especially with my family, because they are very conservative and they hate everyone around around them. Sorry, if that's all you'd been exposed to as a child, how did you know it was wrong? Because I I used to make friends with black people and with Shiites and. My family were like, no, you have to stop doing this. You, you shouldn't make friends with these people. I, I didn't agree with them at that time. I was a kid. I was a child. So it didn't work on you. No. Well, I'm, no. I'm glad, you know, a little bit of common sense <laughs> worked it out on your own and you're able to then go and spread that good word. Yeah, but it was very difficult. <laughs> mm. It's interesting. You said being gay helped. Yeah, it helped me to, um, I used to make female friends when I was a child till now. That helps and like how the women, how women over there struggle as a gay. Like it's not every gay man would do this, but for me, I used to make friends with females and I used to, like, I was very close to my sisters and I'm still, that helped me a lot to understand how, how women struggle. Like even when I was here, I, in, in Halifax, I was with, with the taxi and like I I wear makeup every time I go out and the taxi like he was looking at me as if he wants something I don't know and I was like I I I felt bad at the same time because at that time because I was like what if I were a woman it's it's really it's really annoying and it's really I don't know even how to explain that like no, I, think- I would feel really scared if I were a woman just by nature of who you are allowed you to yeah. better empathize with another group who is similarly oppressed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Are there many people who are in your position still in Saudi Arabia and, and the Middle East that you know of? A lot of us. Yes. I have my cousin there. He's gay and he's not happy there. He's depressed. Like, uh, I'm not going to say all the time 
but you he talk he 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 talks with me all the time and he says I want to leave you know uh, I would help him but he's still young I mean he's 18 years old and uh, it will take him time to get money and leave you know I know some people there and this is a small number so it's not only Saudi Arabia even if you go to Kuwait UAE Pakistan Iran the other Arab countries like Egypt this is North Africa, Libya, Tunisia. They they do the same thing with gay people. Would you have any advice for people who are in Western countries who may oppose asylum seekers? I have heard a lot of story about people who are against immigrants and asylum seekers. I mean, they are right and they are wrong because... We still hear stories about people being killed in Germany or France, whatever. We have some bad immigrants, right? And we have some good immigrants. So I, I, I really don't know. Like, I don't know what to say because they're right and they're wrong. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've really enjoyed talking to you and thank you for your time. Uh, um, is- I'm sorry for my English. Oh, um, I'm sorry for mine. I'm from Australia. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's why your accent is a little bit different. Like, I haven't heard it. This is the first time I hear this accent. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you, and sorry again for my English. Yeah, no problem. Could I say a quick hello and goodbye to Iman? Just one second. Are you okay? (laughs) Hi. Am I okay? That... (laughs) <laughs> Look, his English was great. <laughs> the, the connection, the connection was Canadian. Oh, yeah. So I will cut and polish and struggle, struggle to get the good word out. <laughs> you will struggle. Yeah, I, I think you're doing a good thing, Iman. That was that was really inspiring. You know what, Adam? Hmm. Thank you. It's because of you. Ah. Uh, Never ever forget that ever mm. because I don't. Well, I don't have to put that bit to air. <laughs> Oh, you should. Well, now that you've given him this opportunity, you know, Izan will be able to go and become a famous makeup artist and, and, you know, pass. He's amazing. He he can pass it on. Yeah. Oh, I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) uh, He makes me feel. (laughs) Yeah, he'll be great. Oh, I asked him a couple of trick questions like, um, how do you, how do you become a makeup artist in a country that covers up the women? And, you don't. <laughs> and did he go to Canada to get four husbands? So, I don't know. I think we we got to the bottom of it in the end. <laughs> okay, excellent. You go on and continue being awesome. All right? Thank you, Ed. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for coming on again, Iman. All right. Bye. Take care. Herd mentalists, hear me. Happy New Year, finally. In the however long it's been since I've last done a show, about six weeks. I've had some time to consider how to take it to the next level. With a new full-time job, it's just inconceivable to get out a show weekly. It's just not possible. So not of the quality I'd expect or that you've become accustomed to. I want to do splinter views, interviews, sketches every episode, all of which I was able to do before, but I can't anymore. The back end involved is overwhelming and it's, it's time to grow the herd. Time to bring on more people. By bringing on an audio editor, sketch producer and a science consultant, I'll be free to do the stuff that I really enjoy doing, which is talking to strangers and making fun of religious nutbags in the splinter views. I want to pay these people. We've got almost 100 episodes in the bank, and by giving them a split going forward, it'll make it A, increasingly rewarding for their time, and B, make it possible to get episodes out fortnightly. Now, to do that, we're going to need your support on Patreon. Help push the show to $500 an episode. 
If you've enjoyed the show so far and want to make more of it in the future, now is the time to sign up at patreon.com slash herdmentality. Remember, you only get charged when an episode is released, so a $1 pledge will cost you $2 a month when we go fortnightly, and that's half a cup of Starbucks cream-filled latte. It'll only take a dollar or two from a couple of hundred people to hit this goal and for us to afford the fibre we need to become more regular. Now, you too can be awesome, just like Ben, Cecilio, Jeffrey, Born Again Atheist, Scott and Sean, and these wonderful herd mentalists helped nudge us closer to the goal. And 10% of the proceeds from each show go to Kiva.org to help women in developing countries, and that's never going to change. We helped Co in Vietnam, Odali in Peru, Nargis and Gulnora in Tajikistan, Filarita in Albania, and Anonymous in Bolivia. In this episode, it's a mix of education and medical expenses to get back on their feet. In other news, my book is undergoing final rewrites and the feedback from those who have read it so far is extremely positive, which really excites me. The working title is Upselling to Reality and uses sales techniques rather than debating techniques to change someone's mind. It's a lot of fun and I can't wait to get it published so I can read a chapter and put it on the podcast. It's been a while since I got to use silly voices. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed the show and with your help, I hope you'll enjoy many, many more. Remember, the future is not written. There's no podcast but what we make for ourselves. Be wonderful, questionable Adam, signing off.